Hello, strangers, and welcome to the March 28th edition of the Strange Horizons Poetry Podcast. I'm your host, Ciro Faenza. This month we have an extra full lineup, beginning with Sofia Samatar's Notes Toward a Theory of Quantum Blackness, read by Romy Stott, followed by Death by Three Senses by Lev Mirov, read by yours truly, Exchange by Anne Carly Abad, read by Romy Stott, Little Red Cap by Christina Im, read by Christina Im, The Elder by Matthew Porto, read by Chudo Faenza. And finally, Heavenly Bodies Terra Firma by Jane Crowley, read by Chido Faenza. All right, now, let's begin. Notes Toward a Theory of Quantum Blackness by Sophia Samatar For Ashton Crawley and Adrian Marie Brown the theory of black quantum futurism was developed by Rashida Phillips and Kame Aiewa of the Black Quantum Futurism Collective. The poem quotes Audre Lorde, France Fanon, Ashton Crawley, Tremaine Lee, and Dennis Overby. 1. Distortion The most common force, the most everyday, is also the most obscure. We feel it most, but we understand it least. Begin from here. The curvature of space-time is caused by the unequal distribution of mass-slash-energy. On the street. For hours. This is distorted geometry. How a body causes space-time to sag. If an object is subjected to force, it will deviate. Time lapses more slowly. On the street. Slow light. All models of quantum blackness attempt to develop a new geometry. Everything was like a poem, with different curves, different levels. There is a point at which methods devour themselves. I should like to start from there. Yes, I must press. My colleagues must press. We all press. Squeeze and stretch. How space-time dissolves at very small distances. Plot the distance between bullet and flesh. The distance between floor and hair. Between throat and chain. Between hunger and time of day. As my colleague wrote before her untimely death, only two words in this research are necessary. Two. Infinities. Blackness cannot be integrated with quantum mechanics at very high energies. At lower energies, it is ignored. To address energies at or higher than the Planck scale, a new theory of quantum blackness is required. To address vulnerability to address a relationship to interruption, to integrate the vibration of urban backyards. Blackness has been described as non-renormalizable. Its behavior depends on an infinite number of independent parameters. Therefore, to develop a consistent theory of quantum blackness, one must conduct an infinite number of experiments. The experiment of zones, Analysis of prison flesh attraction. The experiment of the black smile. Of the child. Infinite kinship experiments. Infinite gestures. 
a laboratory vast enough to contain the wall. Sometimes we were so tired we couldn't lie down. We would take walks. We would buy nothings. We joked about the experiment of the corner store, the experiment of the fiercely freezing neon-colored drinks, of the red powder on the fingers, fluorescent light. Take into consideration the presence of a curved background. Consider imaginary time, non-communicative geometry, the trapped surface. Consider the implications of the phrase cannot be integrated. Consider string theory, which introduced the concept of vibration. Experiments in exhaustion. Consider that the problem of quantum blackness will mean different things to different researchers. My colleague died of complications from a condition called hood disease, but she herself always referred to it as white supremacy disease. It is possible that the black force particle does not exist, that the effects we observe derive from a different mechanism. As my colleague wrote before her untimely death, only two words in this research have meaning, and they are not quantum, blackness. Three, sound. Strange to think that everything, modernity itself, is based on this force of which we know so little. On the street, the body pulled and stretched the fabric of the day, a bend suddenly detectable. There. Afterward, there were flowers, teddy bears, baseball caps, what some called afterglow. Others called it a pile of trash. Ripple effect. A cry. Acoustic metrics share certain behaviors with those we expect from a theory of quantum blackness. Notes toward a theory of sonic horizons. Notes toward a theory of boom. Toward interruption. Marks in a circle, like a map. She wanted so much to understand a body on the street. Cosmic script. Cartography of a nervous system. How she made me laugh, singing Harry Nilsson's Can't Live, crooning into the neck of a bottle of wine. Consider sound waves in fluid. Supersonic waves can generate a dumb hole, like a black hole, a well of silence. Can't live. I sit at her window. Sounds of the street the roar of cars, raised voices somewhere, footsteps pounding on the stairs, door slam, laughter. Sometimes there's a moaning, and it's mine. I hear myself and stop. A fleeting chirp, a faint rising tone. Physical effects can propagate back across the sonic horizon, Notes toward a theory of posthumous vibration. At the end, I took dictation for her. She was lying on the bed. There was her voice and the slight tapping from my keyboard. I remember thinking that there could be no more delicate sound. 
Blackness is the weakest force, but its range is infinite. Infinite. So I work in the afterglow, among the echoes. To be particle and wave is to be fragment and direction. As my colleague wrote before her untimely death, only two words in this research matter, and they are notes toward Sophia Samatar is the author of the novel A Stranger in Olandria and winner of the John W. Campbell Award, the Crawford Award, the British Fantasy Award, and the World Fantasy Award. Her new novel, The Winged Histories, is available from Small Beer Press in 2016. Death by Three Senses by Lev Mirov Death tastes like this. The wood varnish of the door you have closed, copper sparking off your teeth, a mouthful of gravel from the first time you fell, cold snow that tastes like nothing at all, a mouthful of rain, iron against the tongue, your breath burning in the back of your throat as you run, the sweat of your endless pain, the dust of the desert where you can never return, and the smell of the sea you will never sail again. Death smells like this. Ash and burned hair, something you call charcoal. His cologne, the warm, weak tea he loved to drink. Electricity arcing across your fingertips as you touch steel, like your heart skipping when his gaze touches you. Fire, burning oxygen, boiling wine, and incense you do not remember lighting. Blood, of course. Yours and his mingling, until you don't know whose is whose, until there is only one body, with too many bones, some outside, and you must find a way to put it back together with parts of yourself you have only just killed. Death looks like this. His eyes, a different color, looking back from your reflection, in a face neither of you recognize, though only you can remember what faces you used to have. Everything being too small, too close to the ground, awkwardly shaped for some other occupant with a different name, and a closet with too much burgundy and not enough gray. A white-walled room, a skinny brown desk, a green quilt, a little window that does not look out towards the sea. The battered black upright that plays songs from the motherland when you close your eyes and your hands move without thinking. The stars, so cold, so distant, so unknowing who do not acknowledge you when you call to them. Seeing nothing when you close your eyes, except the other man who is now also yourself. Lev Mirov is a disabled mixed-race Filipino-American who lives with his wife, fellow writer India Valentin, and their two cats near Washington, D.C., when not playing a time-traveling medievalist dandy, he writes speculative fiction, fantastical poetry, and gluten-free recipes from around the world. Exchange by Anne Carly Abad The imaging test declares her tumor. My embryologic twin, 
but she is my sister with a name she once mouthed to me in dreams. Option, surgical removal of my own flesh, but why? She's been fighting to be born. A full head of hair now, and her lipless mouth sprouts the likeness of teeth. I show my palm where she blooms to our parents, who unravel before us, fall, fall like tinkling beads. Here is the one I never thought I'd hold. Here she is, her entire form. If I must sign a waiver for the possibility of death, I sign not one for the knife, but for my sister's chance at life. On my bed I lie down each numbered night, face to face with sister, for there is much to teach. Take my voice if she must, so she may speak. Anne Carliabad is currently busy trying to learn a new trick, jewelry making. Her written work has appeared or will appear in Nameless Digest, Apex, and Not One of Us. Her science fiction novel, The Lightbringer's Kingdom, saw print this year and is now available at Amazon. Little Red Cap by Christina M. Picture autumn of the year. The creek runs marrow thick. The air breathes feral. Yellow milk on doorsteps left like children to curdle past noon. There's a reason no one in these parts writes about wolves anymore. There's a reason the stars hang low. Behind shut doors, I speak moon blood, death song, dusk settling under my floorboards. A stake is raised in the square before dawn, and iron is the price for a soul. Harvest is a study in snapped branches. By this, I mean it reeks of things that no longer think to step softly. After dark, a half-shadowed hunger comes down to the waterside to drink. Armor is not enough in those hours of night, no matter how unpierced, how cruel carmine. Wooded paths are no friend to pale ankles, and a flower chain worn against a white, white neck. Look closely now. I contradict the gaping gray stillness, little more than a crow's frame and a tightening of the eyes. In two blinks, gone. In two mouthfuls, a mess of color to drape over the teeth. I make a lattice of my fingers as a house for my heartbeat. See how I quiver with my smallest of faiths, how my small face beckons to the grasping trees, how my small feet leave no prints for the morning, how quietly I am asking to be caught. Christina Im is 15 years old and attends high school in Portland, Oregon. She has been recognized both regionally and nationally by the Scholastic Art and Writing Awards. Her poetry and fiction have appeared in several publications, including Words Dance and Rose Red Review. The Elder by Matthew Porto We walked up to the elder tree covered it with a broad cloth to blind it, then cut it off at the trunk's base. We walked home, lumbering over root-crowns in the forest, our shoulders aching. A vixen's scream startled our troop. Three of us dropped the prize and rushed off, drawing our bows so that the string combed back our beards and our muzzles were revealed. One snarled, the other two smirked and waited. When the bowshot went off, there was a high wind, and we lost track of the stream. The fox, struck and limping, slinked behind a rotting oak's body and fell. We left it there with the limbs contorted. One of us, the youngest of our band, said it was a bad omen. So we returned to the severed elder, 
hung the thing at our hips like a compass needle. When lightning lit the gray sky, ghosting our faces, we went stock still and dropped it where we stood. Matthew Porto is an MFA candidate and teaching fellow at Boston University. After earning a bachelor's degree in English from the University of Scranton in 2012, he taught ESL in Tainan, Taiwan for one year and currently lives in Boston. He has privately printed two poetry collections, Flora and Fauna, Winter 2014, and Dignity Astray, Spring 2015. Heavenly Bodies, Terra Firma by Jane Crowley Heavenly Bodies I walked out to find the universe shredded upon the lawn. Death had come to visit while I slept and torn limb from tiny wing all of creation to leave tiny sparkling galaxies spiraling between speedwell, knotgrass, and moss. I watched constellations trickle into dust, set my shoulders, picked tiny bones from the ground, and began again. Terra Firma Of all my new worlds you were foulest and best, wine and brine and fish guts running through your veins, and a mad builder trying to carve his fevered dreams onto the sky, endless knots unfurling under my feet and waves on the seabed overhead. I drank your bitter coffee, walked your baking streets, and greeted your sparkling dead in the calm of the morning. Jane Crowley has spent far more time than is advisable lost in books about the Middle Ages, a pastime which has rubbed off on her writing more than she ever suspected it would. Her work has appeared once previously in Strange Horizons. Part-time writer, cook, charity worker, and student. Full-time reader and bird admirer. And there we have it. We'd love to hear what you think about these poems. You can leave a comment for us on the poems page on the website, and while you're there, check out this month's content. We have a column by Renee on the emotional zeitgeist in the community, another conversation about energy and SF, and more. And as always... I need to remind you that Strange Horizons is an all-volunteer organization. We rely on donations to keep things afloat. So while you're there, please check out the two Support Us links on the left half of the page. And that's it for this month. Until next time, stay strange.